0: Hey, it's L.A. Lloyd. Uh, Pretty excited about uh, getting Dayseeker on to co-host The Rock 30 today. We've been playing their song without me for about three weeks or so. Rory's with us. Pleasure to meet you and thanks for being on the show today, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I want to talk a little bit, uh, just jump right into your album Dark Sun, uh, an album that you spent about a year working on uh, compared to your previous albums that were finished much faster. Uh, maybe talk about the benefits, uh, or and even the downside, if you will, of taking a little bit longer to complete this one uh, compared to the previous ones.
1: A lot of benefits, honestly. We we typically would lock ourselves in a studio space for like three to four weeks and just try and hammer out like ten to twelve tracks. And uh, I feel like in the past that was not the best formula for us because we you just hit like the third or fourth week, and it's I think it's hard to stay creative or innovative. And so we were able to. You know, I just went up to the studio in L.A. a couple times a week for about a year off and on. And it was interesting because sometimes we would write something in the beginning and then after a month or two be like, yeah, that's that's not that great, actually. And we'd <laughs> we'd go back and and revisit. And I, I think we were able to kind of like finish the album in the way that we thought it was supposed to sound. And I feel like because we had so much time to sit with it before it was released to the public, we were a lot more confident that th- this was the way it was supposed to turn out as as opposed to you work on something for a month and then six months later, you're like, ah, I could have, could have done that better. Or we we could have done something different. So I think there's a lot of, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of pros. I, I really don't know if there's a downside other than just that it, it takes a lot longer to finish the record that way.
0: You know, while you did have some heavier tracks on the album, like uh, Neon Grave and Dream State, uh, the focus, I guess, really wasn't to make a heavy album. In fact, I read that, you know, some of the songs that you felt uh, that had the heavier parts were on there, kind of dumbed the songs down a little bit, if you will, and you decided to take them out. So uh, can you elaborate on that a little more?
1: Yeah, well, we we started in the, the kind of metal hardcore genre like 10 years ago, and we had this obligation to kind of honor that. And... like pay respect to people who have been with us for a really long time but there were just a lot of moments on this record um not really with tracks like neon grave or or dream state that were more heavier but uh darks on the title track uh for instance used to be kind of a a hard rock metal thing and we we kept trying to sprinkle in these like riffs and breakdowns with this 80s synth and like edm chorus and we were just kind of like listening to the song and we we like took the, we like took the parts out cause we were like these riffs and these like metal parts we're writing are actually making this song a lot worse. Uh, like it it just sounds more, more generic. It, it just, it seemed less interesting. And we, we kind of realized that taking a lot of that stuff out from certain songs, like it just felt better. It, it ended up feeling like we were, we were kind of trying to force it in when it didn't need to be there. So I think, uh, and I think we're lucky that we, you know, on this record and our, our prior album before this one, Sleep Talk, we kind of realized like we can write, quote unquote, like softer music or more more pop alternative rock and people seem to to really enjoy it. So I think we feel comfortable that we don't need to we don't need to force something in there if it feels like it, it just doesn't fit.
0: Right. Well, since it is your first time being on the show and, and I, I really didn't know that much about your background being a little bit more darker or heavier, if you will, uh, maybe take our listeners through a little brief history of the band and, and tell us about the rest of the guys that are in Dayseeker as well.
1: Yeah, we, we basically formed out of just two failed local bands in uh in the uh, <laughs> Orange County and LA scene. And then we, we spent time touring together in two separate bands. Uh, Both of those bands just didn't work out. And then a couple of guys didn't wanna do music anymore on a serious scale. And then we got lucky that uh, we basically out of like two halves of the band came together, formed Dayseeker. And uh, it took a long time kinda to get things uh, rolling or or to find like success with the band. Uh, Like even a few years ago, I, I wasn't honestly sure of how much longer we were going to be a band, but I feel like our, our record sleep talk like three years ago did really well. And that was kind of a turning point for the band. And, uh, yeah, we've had, uh, Gino's our guitar player. He's been with us. Uh, he's technically like our second, like guitar player from the original guy, but he's, he's been, but the first guy quit like six months. And so it feels like Gino is like an OG member at the end of the day. And then, uh, yeah, Ramon plays bass. He's been with us for about five or six years. And, um, we're kind of in between drummers right now. So right now it's just the three of us as a, as a core group. And uh, we're, we're trying somebody new out for drums though. And we, we have a good feeling about him. So we'll, we'll kind of see what the future holds, but I, I feel lucky. I feel like we have a a good core group of people in our band.
0: Sounds like it. Just backtracking a little bit, uh, I did see this one interview where you uh, started thinking after the album was finished, uh, you started thinking maybe one more upbeat song is what we should have done, and then you just said, you know, no, I I think this is just the way it was meant to be, Um, you know, which is fine, you know, uh, you stick with your decision. Uh, Now that the album's had maybe two or three months for the fans to get out there and really, you know, immerse themselves into it and, you know, go through the songs more than once or twice, uh, do you still feel like uh, you're pretty happy with what the final product was or do you still kind of go back to yeah maybe we did need one more upbeat song <laughs>
1: <laughs> i've thought about that definitely um i think the thing with it is is that uh you know it wasn't really intentional but the the album was centered around a lot of loss and grief because my my father ended up passing away when we were uh, just starting to kind of get into the thick of like really writing and constructing the record and so it wasn't yeah, it wasn't intentional, but it was kind of like we finished the record and listened to it and I was like, Yeah, it feels like maybe a hair slower than you know our, our prior releases, but I feel like it just had to kind of come out that way. Um, not only for myself, but it was kind of uh it's interesting because I feel like there were some there were some fans who maybe who maybe didn't experience uh the loss or or like losing somebody, uh, who passes away, like really close to you. Mm -hmm. And I think they kind of just heard it on a, a surface level kind of scale. And they were just kind of like, why is this slow and, uh, and, uh, and I feel like I have so many more fans who are like, Hey, like my, I have a parent who passed away a best friend. And I feel like this is a record that really seemed to be, um, something specifically for people who have lost somebody. Uh, like in terms of just somebody passing away that they were super close to, and uh, I also feel like it's a record where I've seen it. I've and I don't know if it's a good thing, but I've I've seen it a few times where some some critics, some fans had initially said like, yeah, I don't I don't know if I like this record, and then they've listened to it a handful more times and they're like, okay, wait, 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 I changed my mind. Like it, it is a good <laughs> record. Like it, it takes a minute to to settle in, and I think it's because like. A lot of times in our genre people just kind of want you know they want a metal or a rock song and so i think that we us listening to more like pop rock like the 1975 or or just entire pop or B artists and kind of trying to sprinkle that into the genre i think some people's um like knee-jerk reaction is is to just be like i, I don't really like this very much mm-hmm. but i'm i'm hoping like yeah like it it's kind of opened their eyes to other genres they can listen to. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it psyched me out a bit when some people were like, it took a few listens for them to get it. But I feel like if you do give it a chance, I, I, I believe it's a, it's a good record, but I'm, I'm, biased,
0: of course. Right. Well, you know, uh, I like the fact that you mentioned that Sleep Talk was kind of a turning point and kept you guys uh, moving forward and and keep making new music. But with that said, you know, having a successful album that was your turning point, did you ever feel like you were just trying to do everything completely different from that album on Dark Sun? And, and, And again, getting back into that forcing yourself to do something instead of it being more natural if that did happen to you what did you guys have to do to kind of change it up and and make what was ultimately um dark sun
1: it's funny you brought that up because it, it is scary when you have like an album that commercially does really well and in, in the scene and and even still it, it streams really well it's like yeah it's scary to, to put together another album and i think we had kind of honed in on more like alt rock and like pop structured writing with sleep talk. And so I feel like we kind of just tried to lean into that uh, even further with dark sun. And I feel like we always just kind of try and remain like pretty true to, to what we want to write and uh, what, what styles we want to pull off. So I can't really say that we, like I said, sometimes we were trying to squeeze like heavier rock songs in, but it, it just never, it never really fit. So I feel like, one thing I'll say about uh, Dark Sun is that it's it's pretty authentically what we wanted to do. We we didn't we didn't try and force anything that didn't fit.
0: Right. Kind of give me a time frame of this album. I, mean, I know you put about a year into it. Was this immediately when uh, everyone was kind of forced off the road and couldn't tour? Or is it just something that happened, you know, like in the last year and a half or so?
1: It was kind of the last like year and a half. I, I feel like I feel like we started around. April of 2021 and then uh yeah I think we finished right at about April or May of uh of 2022 so it took uh it took a good year yeah because I had a video of my daughter in the studio with me and we were just starting to there's an instrumental of Neon Grave playing in the background and then we were I think we were actually ironically recording vocals for the last song on the album that i wrote about my daughter in like april of 2022 mm. i mean your social media pops up like this happened a year ago and i was like
0: <laughs> wow I, was, I
1: didn't even realize i was like oh my god i can't believe we've been working on this record for for a year so yeah, yeah it took uh it took some time but we're well we have a great producer too we're, we're lucky he's uh he's definitely a big part of the reason why why the albums turn out the way that they do and he's He's had a lot of success too with, uh, he works a lot with like Spirit Box and, uh, wow. Volumes, just a, a lot of other bands that are kind of on the up right now. And I think he's like the, He's the secret sauce, I think, for a lot of a lot of these bands in the scene.
0: Right. Uh, you know, artists from every genre have uh, really started focusing a lot on what they're calling non-album singles or EPs, you know, compared to five to ten years ago when it was pretty much, you know, you had to put a full album out. Do you still think full album releases are necessary? I mean, obviously, you guys put out your full album and you, you put your heart and soul into the track listing and the songs. But at the end of the day, the way consumers are just, I want it now, I want it now, do you still feel feel the importance is there
1: i do definitely i i think you just have to be smart about it because i do agree that people's attention spans are a lot shorter with music than they used to be so i do feel like i feel like doing a couple lead-up singles into an album for us has worked really really well because mm-hmm. the other thing is like i have artists that i listen to and like they i yeah i have some artists that i listen to in the pop world where they pretty much just stick to releasing singles they don't really ever put out full albums so it is it's kind of cool because i guess every like every month to two months three months maybe like they're putting a new single out and i'm like oh cool i'm gonna listen to it but then it's it's kind of like it's like their release scale gets really like messy because then when i'm trying to listen to them as an artist it's kind of jumping to a single i maybe didn't like it's it's going to something really old and so it's it's uh I, I think there is a respect and there is something nice about even a solo pop artist or a band is is just putting together like a cohesive set of songs that are that are meant to go together as opposed to putting out 20 singles in a row like right. a month or two months apart i think it does start feeling a little uh just a little over the top you know I, I i think there's a place for full albums still but i think you have to kind of catch people with uh with uh, like a couple really strong, like three or four singles that, that kind of hook them in, but
0: yeah. yeah. yeah it, uh, and that's really the way it's been for, you know, is even before digital downloads. I mean, that's kind of what the situation was. You get a great single to lead up before that album ever came out. So, I mean, it's definitely changed. I, I guess just finding that right balance is, is the hard part.
1: Yeah, no, I remember I got my allowance um, <laughs> when I was like a teenager for like 20 bucks and I would, uh, I, I would, I don't know how old the listeners are, but it's like, I would go to like Tower Records yeah. and I would uh I would just go I would hear like one single off an album and, and I would just take a chance and buy the full record. Right. And then I sometimes I get albums where I was like, I love that album and sometimes I would I'd pay twenty bucks and be like, Man, I really only like the single. Uh so <laughs> that's a bummer. But now but now we live in this world where you can pay ten bucks a month and listen to Anything. as many albums as you want so there's less of a less of a risk i guess but, right yeah just different times
0: for sure let's go back talk about your producer a little bit more i, I didn't realize he'd work with some of those artists other artists that you mentioned so w- what was the working relationship there you know at the beginning and through the whole process and and what was his biggest thing that he really brought to the table for you
1: yeah his name's uh daniel bronstein he's uh just an up-and-coming well, i mean he's been producing for a while but i feel like working with him a few years ago, I always just felt like he was never fully getting the recognition that he deserved. And I feel like now, especially in the last, like two to three years, I feel like he's, he's really getting, um, just like the praise that he, that he's entitled to. And he, uh, yeah, he, he did a song for us called Crooked Soul on sleep talk as just kind of a one-off single. And it was, it was sort of like a trial run. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he was just so great to work with. He's really, He's a really positive guy um some producers can kind of like strong arm you into like doing what they want to do and uh i really feel like he genuinely will try anything i want to do anything the guys want to do uh as long as there's like a mutual respect of you know sometimes he would have me lay down something that i didn't think was the right part and then i would do it and i'd listen to listen to him to a mix and just be like wow i was wrong that is <laughs> that was definitely the move and vice versa. He, uh, and he's, he's really good too. When you do a full album with him, he kind of, he'll pay attention to the whole scope of like, Hey, we've done this before already. Um, like, let's, let's try something different. And I feel like he was a big part of why sleep talk went over so well. And, and, um, I think after sleep talk, he, he was definitely the first producer that we went to and we were like, cool. We're going to stay with this guy for like, probably for uh, not forever but uh like he did sleep talk he's done dark sun and he's definitely going to be doing our next album as well mm. so he's just uh he feels like a he feels like an interesting extra member of day seeker that just doesn't perform with us live because yeah. he he because he gets invested in the songs too and he he cares a lot about how they come out so yeah, I can't, I can't say enough good things about that guy.
0: That's great. Let's talk about the, uh, the single Without Me. It's been on the Rock 30 chart for about three weeks now. And uh, was this one of the earlier tracks recorded or maybe more in in the latter part of the process?
1: Yeah, definitely later. The, the funny thing about that song was, uh, our label had recommended that we do, uh, what's called a co-write where you basically invite a different producer in to work with your band and just kind of see if anything comes out differently. And, What's funny was before Without Me, we were kind of like, oh, we have like, we have plenty of singles. We we like, if it goes well, cool, uh, but we don't really need this to work out. And then uh, they brought in this guy named Matt Squire. He's done a lot of, uh, he did a lot of stuff with, like Panic at the Disco way back in the day, uh, The Used, uh, and then he had gotten into a lot of pop, I think with like Demi Lovato and Oh, wow. kind of went back into the end of the rock world with uh like under oath and amity affliction over the mm-hmm. last couple of years and he uh yeah he came to hang out and uh it was just i mean he was just such a good vibe he had so many good ideas and uh it was sometimes you invite a person into your dynamic and you don't know how it's going to work out and uh it's just crazy we ended up writing like the core structure of without me and and probably like 80% of the lyrics in probably two or three hours. Um, And we were like running through the song at the end of a session, just like, Oh, this is a single, like, this is a really, this is a good song. And uh, I think he's somebody we're going to be interested in, in working with again. Cause he just, uh, yeah, same as Dan. Um, Matt was just a really great hang. And I I feel like he had a lot of, a lot of really good ideas and we just seemed to to gel really well together. So it's a, it's a trip, man. It's really weird to think if we, if we didn't take him up on that co-write like that song would not exist and that's strange because that's definitely our our best streaming song currently
0: yeah it's a great one uh you did mention that your father had passed away and and neon grave is a song that uh was written after that happened did that song lead to other uh ideas for dark sun and if so uh, was that a good thing for you personally, or was it hard to just you know keep that flow going or that theme, if you will?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I think writing for me, as long as I've been doing it, has always been a a catharsis where it it kind of just helps me process and and deal with anything that I'm feeling. And so, Neon Grave initially, I was like, okay, like that'll be the song I write about my dad, and then we can put that topic to rest. And mm-hmm. then uh, there was just so many other parts of his passing, like, like right before he passed in hospice and just kind of like what life was like trying to exist without this, you know, giant Titan figure in my life as my father. And, uh, it, yeah, just, we ended up writing, I think five songs about his passing. And, uh, it was, it was, it was really good for me just to get all my feelings out. Uh, I, I don't feel like it, it really held up the process for writing if anything i had a lot to get out and uh it was it was a really healthy way to do it and uh i think for him it was a nice it was a nice way to kind of like have an homage to him and and just a way to pay respect for him because my my dad was also a singer when he was younger and uh i don't know if like musical ability is genetic but i feel like if there's any reason I have like a shred of musical talent, it's it's because my father had a lot of talent on his end as wow. well. So I think uh, I think if he were alive, he would be really he'd be really excited to know that we wrote most of this album about him. And I, I think it was a just a cool way to pay respect to his memory.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. Uh, most bands I've had on the show, especially since the pandemic has been going on and on and on, uh, just talk about, you know, there's still a lot of challenges coming out of this pandemic. What would you say is some of the biggest or the biggest challenge that you guys are up against right now?
1: Uh, just staying relevant, I guess. It's, yeah. uh, it's a tricky thing, I feel like so many... I think it's a great thing about our scene is uh, I do feel like people are really open to like newer and interesting styles of bands within this genre, like spirit box or sleep token, you know, where it's just really, really different stuff than what you would typically hear like five years ago. And so it's great, but because there's so many new and exciting bands, it's like, yeah, you got to kind of, you got to kind of stick out and try and stay relevant. But we're, we're honestly really lucky because the, our our album came out and then i think six months later the pandemic happened and so we i think we only got to do one tour off of sleep talk before the pandemic and that was kind of when we started noticing like a shift like oh like there's a lot more people at these shows who seem to like us and uh and then uh we had the pandemic which it yeah it was it was a bummer at the time but then our record basically sat out for almost two years before we got to tour again. And then by the time we came out, it felt like our popularity had just like skyrocketed. Wow. and uh, so i I'm almost like, I wonder if because people were so bummed here <laughs> or had to stay inside, they had all this extra time to listen to to music because I feel like our I feel like our album just got to like marinate basically. Uh, and then it felt like when we got to go back to playing music, people were just so excited to come back and and just be in that that live concert setting so it was uh it was a challenge definitely taking time off but it it somehow ended up working in our favor at the end of the
0: day it's uh, funny you mentioned sleep token because i was going to ask you about your t-shirt it seems like that band is really you know the buzz band right now if you will that's really everyone seems to be talking about i was like well do you like them or do you hate i mean you know, i keep seeing these posts on instagram and tiktok etc cetera, et cetera. so it's kind of funny when you popped on uh, today and i saw your shirt
1: i found yeah it's funny i found sleep token off like a curated spotify playlist probably like five years ago and Mm -hmm. it was their first little ep they put out and then they ended up getting they're actually signed to the same label we are on spine Farm. and uh yeah i just i love the anonymity with the band uh with their their costumes and how you you just don't really know anything about them (laughs) other than that they they write great music and uh yeah, it's def- they are definitely a band right now that is just. Just popping off, so I'm I'm happy for them though. They they seem like really nice, talented guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you have a lot of tour dates uh, beginning March 30th with Silverstein, who we uh, had on the show last year. Uh, great band there. I think that's going to be a good combo. You guys touring together. Are there any new songs on Dark Sun that you're really excited about getting out there and and performing? Maybe for the first time ever.
1: Yeah, we're we're playing a song called Homesick off of the album. It's been like kind of a personal favorite of mine off the record. It was just kind of about uh, people places and things that made me feel like it was okay to kind of be happy and enjoy life again uh, following my father's passing it was like my very futile attempt at, at trying to write a happier song on the record and it, it still sounds really sad but um <laughs> it uh yeah we're playing that for the first time on this tour and um it's gonna be great it's gonna be a really a really fun time we're we're shooting a music video for it actually in just about a month here and we're gonna Try and start pushing that as like a bigger single off the album uh, once that music video drops. So I think uh, I think that'll be a cool
0: one to play live. Awesome, man. Well, Rory, appreciate you being on here. Day Seeker, uh, check them out if they come through your city. I definitely plan on seeing you for my first time April 14th when you come through Austin. So uh, thanks for being on the show, man. And best of luck with the new album and the new song.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.